This podcast is made possible with collaboration and input from the LinkedIn Digital Transformation Group with reference to Google News and Wikipedia. Five Creative Ways to Lead a Digital Transformation Expert Commentary on Global Affairs for Leaders Everywhere Various experiences with Digital Transformation DX projects, including the failures and success stories in organizations, have taught us one thing, digital transformation is about people and not about technology. This argument is now widely accepted as organizations have moved away from focusing on only the technology and off-the-shelf technological solutions to their needs. Unfortunately, this view remains highly optimistic as the success rate for digital transformation projects continues to be abysmally low at less than 30%. In fact, this success rate is possibly lower than the surveys have suggested if we consider that how we define failure in digital transformation projects is often generous, thus masking the true state of affairs, says Dr. Labine Soga of Henley Business School Center for Entrepreneurship. There is even a bigger problem at hand as organizations emerge from the pandemic. The disruptions precipitated by the COVID-19 pandemic have forced organizations to rethink their digital strategies and to transform or risk expiration. The clock is ticking. Amidst disruptions in global supply chains and the need to build resilience in business models to withstand exogenous shocks, the human factor is suddenly more pronounced and organizations must pay attention. Digital transformation necessitated by the pandemic must therefore be approached as navigating uncharted waters and deploying navigational skills, as former sea captain Chris Lever popularly argues, instead of remaining lost in the fog. Here are five ways to lead DX in these uncertain times. Approach crisis as an opportunity. As the global economy and community continue to grapple with and fight the spread of the coronavirus, many companies leverage this time to propel them to be a digital-first workforce. When faced with the pandemic, many leaders saw it as an opportunity for structural change. We knew that in every crisis, there is also an opportunity, said Martin Maigoya, CEO of digitally native company Globant. We took advantage of the at-home time to better ourselves and learn new skills by launching a company-wide program to upskill and reskill our professionals so that we could serve our clients accordingly. Understand that people are just as important as technology. A digital transformation necessitates many changes, but arguably most important is ensuring that stakeholders are informed and aligned with your mission. Companies need the latest technologies to empower their teams but also the right human capabilities, creativity, and innovative mindset to make the best out of them, said Maigoya, working on an integrated and holistic strategy involving all parts of the organization leads to success. In addition, organizations need to understand that these processes are not a one-off but a continuous improvement process. Any company can embark on a digital transformation, but those that ensure their employees, investors, and customers are involved can sustain it through team collaboration, innovation, and agility. Implement an integrated strategy that involves all parts of the organization. For enterprises looking to implement a digital transformation internally, it must be underscored that all parts of the organization must be considered and leveraged when rolling it out and improving it over time. Transitioning to a digital-centric business model is not a quick, easy feat and involves parties from all business areas to ensure its success. Organizations need to understand that these processes are not a one-off but a continuous improvement process, explained Maigoya. To achieve this, they need true collaboration and innovation by leveraging data and agility from all teams.
To stay relevant, companies must focus on building digitally native cultures. Shortly every company will be a tech company that happens to make their respective product, said Maiboya, who, along with his teams at Globant, help clients embrace digitally native cultures. As the pandemic continues to force companies to embrace remote and virtual work, Globant doubled their team's global headcount to 20,000 last year to accommodate client needs in this space and brought in over $1 billion in global revenue. The increased adoption of digital technologies in all processes of our professional and personal lives is opening up exciting opportunities to reinvent the way organizations connect with customers, consumers, and fans across their physical and digital spaces in new, far more engaging user experiences, said Mai Goya. In addition, as remote work becomes more common because of the pandemic, Globant is also working to ensure that teams collaborate and work efficiently, particularly those in the tech and coding industry. Currently in beta testing, Globant's new augmented coding program was explicitly designed to assist coding teams with AI-based functions in helping teams collaborate, save time on monotonous tasks, and ultimately lean more into their creativity. Successful transformation must be built upon a sustainable business model. As climate change continues to present significant effects and challenges for communities worldwide, organizations must be conscious of their impact on the environment and how it specifically affects their stakeholders. Sustainability and dandy are central pillars of our future-centric vision, and while we work every day on making our software ventures more sustainable, we also partner with companies to map solutions that bridge the gap between environmental protection vertical bar and advancing business strategy, said Mai Goya. When going through any transition or transformation, organizations must adequately measure and mitigate their carbon impact and address accordingly within their implementation strategy. Dr. Naima Pasha, Director of the World of Work, looks specifically at the adoption of digital and emerging technologies. She argues that most organizations are aware of the critical need for digital adoption, especially in AI. The rise of AI as a service, AI as with vendor-led AI development, is often a better path than having taken on the challenge of developing in-house AI solutions. Indeed, there is a large body of evidence that those companies that have adopted AI have achieved greater success, especially in adapting to the needs of the pandemic business environment. However, a challenge to effective technology adoption is people management, and this is the same whether developed in-house or with partners. Consequently, Pasha believes that AI and digital adoption will gather pace and grow, but it will be a jagged growth of spikes and dips if companies don't develop an organizational mindset of a shared approach to AI. Therefore, for digital adoption to run successfully, it needs to have shared purpose and goals across the organization, and, perhaps most importantly, skilling on data science and digital needs to happen right across the company, perhaps most importantly, at the CEO level. A message from our sponsor, Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me tell you here how it works. It's free, you can register free online. Just go to Anchor.fm and register. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or desktop computer, that's how easy it is. Anchor will also help to distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and many more other platforms. You can also generate income from your podcast, with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast, all in one place. Now, 
you can download the Anchor apps from the Apple Store or Google Play Store. Enjoy the podcast. Thanks again. For digital transformation, mindset matters most. Digital transformation has understandably accelerated massively since the COVID-19 pandemic began. Organizations in virtually every industry had to digitize some part of their business or operations in order to carry on throughout the restrictions. But now, 18 months on and with a potential end in sight, conversations about life after COVID-19 are starting to become more of a reality. One of the biggest topics in this area has been whether or not remote working is here to stay, but what about the other elements of digital transformation? Will this catalyst effect continue, or should we expect a slowing down? According to Siemens Digitalization lead, Joan Mulvihill, the changes companies have implemented recently look set to continue. Having now experienced the benefits of digitalization, there is even greater pull pressure from their stakeholders for more, so it's unlikely there will be any slowing down for the foreseeable future," she said. As society reopens, I anticipate even greater demands for our buildings in particular to perform, to be more responsive to the people they serve. Mulvihill is a well-known figure on the Irish tech scene and took up her current role at Siemens in 2019. Her previous experience includes a seven-year stint at the helm of the Irish Internet Association, during which she passionately promoted the benefits of businesses adapting to new technology. She told Silicon Republic. Calm that while the pandemic itself came as a surprise, the resilience, ingenuity, and openness of businesses in Ireland was less surprising. I am not at all surprised by their capability and resourcefulness in transforming their businesses through technology," she said. In her own organization, Mulvihill said Siemens is working in partnership with customers on projects that are delivering business insights and helping them make decisions for the future. The world is changing at pace, and it's not enough to be simply maintaining competitiveness through efficiency. We're working with customers to imagine, envision, and deliver the future version of themselves in a rapidly changing ecosystem. While digital transformation has become more important than ever for businesses, it's not without its challenges. But Mulvihill said this is no different to the challenges that come with anything to do with change. The challenge is almost always mindset. Can you do change? The technology is here. The funding mechanisms to support businesses are here. The partners like ourselves are right here, she said. I'm a pragmatist. I get that there are operational and infrastructural hurdles, but I just don't want to put them on a checklist for some person to focus on why this might seem too hard to do right now. Mindset matters most. The phrase digital transformation has been thrown around so much it can often feel like a buzzword. This could leave leaders falling into the trap of digitalizing things for the sake of it, without really considering the needs or the benefits. Mulvihill said it's important to remember that digital transformation is really business transformation through digitalization. There are no prizes for being a completely digitalist business that offers no value to its customers. For example, having a high IQ with no knowledge, no understanding of context or human sensibility has very limited value, she said. Smart buildings are a bit the same. Sensors don't make buildings smart. Designing buildings for an optimized human user experience does. The sensors, like the high IQ, make it easier, they make it possible.
It's safe to say that digitalization is a key priority for businesses, especially now. But what about other important considerations on the corporate agenda, such as sustainability? I get asked regularly if digitalization has been replaced by sustainability as a business priority, and my answer is, I hope so, yes, said Mulvihill, a self-described evangelist for digitalization. The fact is that I defy anyone to address the sustainability of their organization without digitalization. Digitalization is an enabler. Sustainability is an outcome. So, my thoughts on this are very straightforward. You cannot attain that outcome without that enabler, she said. There isn't and there never has been any point in starting on a digital transformation journey without an envisioned business value outcome. Sustainability is one of those business and societal value outcomes. Companies must find the courage to back up statements on climate action. The world's largest companies are rapidly raising the bar on their commitments to tackle climate change. Dozens recently put net-zero goals in place to eliminate carbon from their operations and often their entire value chains as well. Hundreds have committed to using only renewable energy. More than 1,600 say they will cut greenhouse gas emissions at the pace scientists tell us is needed to avoid the worst climate outcomes, that is, they're pledging a science-based target. And banks, long the laggards on climate action, are funneling trillions of dollars toward clean technologies while moving their investment portfolios away from fossil fuels. This is good news and an important part of the net positive movement the world needs. We outline many of these steps in our new book, Net Positive, How Courageous Companies Thrive, by giving more than they take, but there's a problem, when companies make big statements about how they will power and operate their businesses, you'd think they would want to align all aspects of their operations and use all of their influence to get there. They would want to support policies that accelerate the shift to clean technologies, right? Unfortunately, there's still a vast disconnect between big company goals and what those companies are advocating for in the halls of power. It's common to see a gap between what companies say and what they do. This gap is less a say-do problem than a say-say issue, they tell the world one thing but say something quite different, or just stay quiet, behind closed doors. Whether willful or just negligent, Staying silent on policy, or outright lobbying against climate action, encourages governments to proceed slowly, and that's time we don't have. Measuring the gap in public and private talk To measure this gap in rhetoric, the Non-Governmental Sustainability Advocacy Organization series looked at, 1. Whether the SAMP 100 companies are supporting aggressive, science-based climate policies and, 2. How misaligned those policy interactions are with the company's public statements and goals. The results, released in the report Practicing Responsible Policy Engagement, an assessment of large U.S. companies, are not great. Series reached three broad conclusions, all of which demonstrate huge gaps and the say-say disconnect among the largest 100 U.S. companies. Those businesses are not backing up public statements with policy advocacy. The good, three-quarters have said that the science of climate change is real. The bad, only 40% engage with lawmakers to support science-based policies. The ugly, one-fifth of the companies, nearly all of which have public emissions reduction targets, have lobbied against pro-climate policy. That's no mistake, it's purposefully and strategically misleading behavior. They are not holding their trade associations accountable. 
In particular, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce has long been an aggressive voice against climate action. The organization, after intense pressure from some members, has acknowledged that climate change is real, but that's a low bar. About three-quarters of the SAMP 100 are members of the organization, but a trivial 7% say they've engaged with it to align its climate policies with science. They are demonstrating limited understanding of how climate policy creates risk for the business. While 74% of the companies see climate change as a material risk, only half discuss how climate legislation will affect their business for good or bad. So roughly half can't fully respond to investors, who are increasingly asking for transparency and clarity on companies' climate risk. This they say gap on climate is increasingly hard to hide, the transparency-inspired think tank Influence Map gathers and publishes extensive data on corporate and trade association lobbying on climate, and organizations like Climate Voice, Andrew is on their board, are applying pressure, in part by leveraging companies' own employees. Even with rising pressure, a few things could explain why companies have created this gap at all. Cynics would say it's just all greenwashing. That's true in some cases, especially with fossil fuel companies and others with a vested interest in the status quo. Less insidious reasons like inertia also play a role, companies have been doing things a certain way and have belonged to their trade associations forever. But for most, two big reasons likely create the gap. The first is mistaken priorities. The second is a dated and misguided narrative about business and government. Mistaken priorities, misguided thoughts about influence. How do companies prioritize what government policies to advocate for? In every sector, a handful of rules or topics are clearly core to the business. Tech companies want intellectual property protection, for example. Food companies want to make sure agriculture bills contain large subsidies, or they want supportive international trade policies. But outside of the energy business, most businesses seem to feel that climate is a nice-to-have policy issue. To be blunt, they're wrong. At the macro level, business won't do well on a planet where large parts of it are uninhabitable, or where a billion or more people are forced to find new places to live. At the corporate level, the cost of doing business in a world of weather extremes is rising, and supply chains are already being disrupted. There are risks to many businesses that they haven't yet priced into their planning. Food or forestry will face droughts, invasive species, and shifts in what grows where. Extreme weather is bringing down power grids, an especially large risk for tech companies promising 24-7 availability. A number of years ago, Microsoft assessed its biggest risks and energy wasn't on its radar. When the chief environmental officer suggested it rethink that, leadership dug into it, got alarmed, and put energy among its top three risks. That led to aggressive investments in renewables and efficiency, in short, given the general threat to humanity and business, climate change should be a top priority for all sectors. The second problem is the story business has told itself for decades, free markets solve everything, government is always a problem, and lobbying efforts should mainly work to stop regulation. Nobody would claim that government policies are perfectly designed, but they're needed, especially on big, shared issues. Climate change is the ultimate systems problem, with connections to every company and person on the planet. We can't solve it without business, government and people, civil society, working together. We need investment at a scale that requires both public and private sector participation and some form of a price on carbon, which only government can establish and enforce. The story about policy is just one key part of the larger shareholders above all obsession that has gripped business for decades. 
it drives a profound focus on the short term. If you're thinking about this quarter, of course you don't want any regulations that may raise costs in the short run or force you to find new ways of doing things. But with a longer term view, the business will be better off if we all tackle climate and invest in the solutions. The costs of clean technologies drop with scale, while the overall health of people and planet improves and, well, we save the world, which seems pretty valuable. Business needs to stop working against policies that protect the common good and the future of their own industries, and stop advocating for policies that help only them, like special tax breaks. Instead, we need what we call net positive advocacy, not lobbying solely for narrow self-interests, but working with government to design policies that serve shared interests, help solve the biggest problems, and shift systems to more sustainable practices and outcomes. Deep down, business leaders know this. They want to be net positive. They're increasingly showing it through their public statements and commitments. One solution to closing the gap between what they say about their own climate goals and what they say about policy is to change the narrative. Leaders need to openly challenge the fairy tale of perfect, market-driven businesses fighting against horrible, anti-business government policies. They should work openly, genuinely, and respectfully with everyone who has a stake in a stable climate, including policymakers. Setting big goals takes companies halfway there. Going all the way requires a new story and the courage of our convictions. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends and colleagues. Please also support us by clicking the support button at our page anchor.fm forward slash Mayfors, M-A-I-F-O-R-S. That's all for today. Hope you enjoy the podcast. We will see you again in the next episode. Have a great day, take care and stay safe.